Hello, check one, two. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the new show. This is the new Tango Uncorked Tango podcast. My name is Adam Hoopengardner, and this is my first episode. Um, I was going to call it all of the other names you might have thought of, but all of those other names were taken. Tango Stories, People of Tango, Tango People, Humans of Tango, Tangos of Humans, I don't know, people that dance a lot and talk a lot of smack, um, who knows, I don't know, a lot of names, and I asked a lot of people in Tango, and they all gave me some pretty, pretty good ideas, but I reached out to my sister and my family, uh, in general, but my sister came back to me with Tango and Court, and I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty perfect. It has the the word Tango in it, and it has the uh, the whole wine aspect and the idea of uncorking, you know, our thoughts and our ideas and our perspectives of Tango. So I thought, wow, what a fucking cool idea. So that's the name, and. It uh, took me months to, you know, choose that, and it might not seem like a big deal, but when you're when you're doing something like this, I don't know. I feel a lot of pressure. I'm a little nervous about trying this new social medium, media platform. Um, yeah, and I'll just be honest. It took me a while to get to this point. And uh, today on the show, I have Rebecca Schulman. Rebecca is a tango dancer in New York City. She's been here, I think, her whole career. Uh, definitely traveled a lot, spent a lot of time in Buenos Aires, and toured the world. And she started dancing. I was, I guess I was surprised, but it was interesting. It's interesting to consider back when she started dancing in relation to where I was in life. I was seven or eight years old, sometime around 91, 92. No, well, I would have been nine or ten then. So I'm not really good with math, but that's what I was doing back then. I was trying to do math, and uh, obviously that career path didn't didn't work out for me. So yeah, 90, well, how does that work? 91, 92, yeah, anyway. Um, she has been a big part of the growth and maturity, maturation of this community. And um, another reason why it's important to look back is to appreciate the, all the things that these people have done to keep this going. I mean, who knows if, if it ever would have started uh, or if it ever would have lasted without just one or two small, you know, contributions by certain people. I spoke with somebody the other day who told me they started dancing because they were walking through Central Park and they saw people dancing. Now, he runs a practicum now, and it's interesting because the woman who started Central Park, Lucille, who I have on the show as well coming up, uh, as I just said, she started Central Park, and through that, you know, how many people have started dancing tango? I don't know. I'd love to do a survey. If you're listening and you started dancing because you saw people while you were walking through the park one day, send me an email. Um, the email will be tangouncorked at gmail.com once I create the email account. But, yeah, so that's uh, 
that's fascinating. I have some notes here because I had all these ideas in my head through the months and months of um, deliberating on whether or not to move forward with this project. All these ways to start the show. And I guess part of the reason I've been so reluctant or, I don't know, nervous is because it's different. It's new. Um, I feel like when I was younger, I had less inhibitions about starting new crazy ideas. Like when I moved to New York, for that matter, I was turning 22. I had nothing. Well, I had nothing to lose, but I had nothing going on. So maybe that helped. And it seems that as we get older and we get more established in certain things and certain certain lifestyles for that matter we we tend to live less spontaneously i mean when was the last time you thought about just uprooting and moving to a new city i know i meet a lot of people actually who do that quite often i mean in this tangle world but i was questioning you know what 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 creates uh what stops us as we get older i don't know if, i don't want to use the word older i mean it just happens to be what happens we get older but um as we learn more and we experience more in life, are we are we more comfortable? Are we happy with that? Or are we more, um, have we grown through so many things that we're more afraid to make life changes anymore? Or do we just enjoy the way our lives are so much that we don't want to change them? I don't know. That's a, that's a rabbit hole that we can go down, but I'll, uh, I'll keep the rabbit running. It's a beautiful day today in New York. It is one of the hottest days so far this spring, so we are dating this, although you might be listening to this um, in next winter or next summer or who knows when. It could be the morning. It could be the evening. That's the fun thing about this podcast stuff. I could be in Timbuktu or I could be in a uh, sound recording studio. Who knows where I am? I know where I am, but you can imagine. Don't get too crazy with your imagination, though. I still might have to see you this week some point, and I don't want you to have these weird ideas of where you thought you might see me sitting and talking into a microphone. So, let's start the show. Here we go with Rebecca Shulman uh, in New York City from around February of Yes. From earliest days of teaching, I had scary dreams that I couldn't get the music to play. But back then, all the music was on cassette tape. So the fear was that you needed to play side A, but it was queued up to side B. So it mm. would take minutes and minutes for the tape to rewind all the way to get to side A. Did you get to also dream about interesting technique exercises to do in the meantime while you're rewinding the tape <laughs> no, no it was only about music i still had there was nothing to do that was the scary part yeah right no there was no resolution my just um, people staring at you i have dreams that i can't dj uh at an event or something mm -hmm. yeah exactly i have those too did your does your um do your dreams change as you get more um mature well the technology changes well that too so but like I, for me like i used to have dreams that i couldn't 
take the song or I couldn't get equipment to work. And in the beginning, I would get scared. But now, because I've been DJing for so long, my last dream, I was just like, go fuck yourselves. I'm, I, I can't figure this out right now. Oh, that's awesome. So, no, I haven't had that kind of resolution was, okay. while dreaming. Not in that series of dreams. I do have another series of dreams that has had a resolution. Mm-hmm. But it's not about tango. It's about being in a foreign city, mm-hmm. and it's time to leave and go home, and I haven't left the hotel room. I had those dreams about Buenos Aires, and I hadn't even, in my dreams, called my friend Lorena to say, let's go to the Milonga, and it was time to leave Buenos Aires. But now, in my dreams, I do leave the hotel room, whether my other people have or not. I decide, you guys stay in the hotel room. I'm going out. Okay. Sorry, that was weird. No, I just kept talking That's to good. keep talking because it wasn't that pertinent, but I thought I might finish it. Yeah, I'm still um, paranoid about this. Is see now I have I get I get to have new dreams where I'm terrified about this project. About new things, yeah, exactly. <laughs> new equipment. Like we spend uh, so um, yes, we're here <laughs> in New York City to talk about tango and dreams and. Um, what I so we're we're looking at a magazine. See, I have to practice actually sounding like I'm talking to an audience that doesn't exist yet. Maybe if maybe they never will. They will. They um, will. I'm sure. And what I love about this magazine, for this is a magazine from 1996 about tango in New York City. And mm-hmm. what I love is that on all of the advertisements, the only thing you can do is call a phone number to get more information. <laughs> <laughs> There that is no is www. True. In fact, it would have been cool if people just put that on there just to freak people out. But right, and these are landlines. Mm-hmm. It's two one two. Oh yeah, not even is it before the internet was so big? It was before cell phones were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Ancient history. Mm-hmm. Um. So you're a human. Yes. Who dances tango? I am. Mm-hmm. And been doing it for a long time. Since 91. Since 91. Mm-hmm. And from my little bit of uh, research about New York so far, I've learned that there really wasn't even a tango community in New York yet. Well, there were two organizations that hosted milongas okay. at that time. One was Amigos del Tango Argentino, okay. which was mostly Argentines, I believe. Is that in Queens? Their milongas seemed to be held in Queens, in my memory, mm-hmm. including in the Elks Club. Uh-huh. But Queens being vast, there could be more than one Elks Club, so I don't know if that is really precise. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another group, perhaps rebelling from against some protocol or something in the Amigos del Tango group, started their group, and it was called Mostly Tango. Mm -hmm. And each group held a milanga once every six weeks. Wow. So you could go dancing once every three weeks if you stayed friendly with both groups. And so why was it, do you know why it was mostly tango and not just all tango? Uh, that's a good question, but no one DJed then as they do now, and ah, there was definitely a mix of okay. music, and they would play salsa and merengue and cumbia, lots of cumbia, and uh, in fact, when you went to Buenos Aires, there, was, there were also long sets of music called Tropical, which was a lot of cumbia and stuff like that. And then there were long sets of rock and roll, which was swing, fast swing music, mm-hmm. and uh, every milonga. And, um, and here, the DJing was a bit um, whimsical. Mm-hmm. Whimsical. And sometimes a song would cut out in the middle or come in in the middle. So it's more like a party. There you go. That's a nice way of describing it. 
I mean, I think that's great because, in a way, it could also be frustrating. But sometimes having too much structure mm-hmm. kind of takes the spontaneity out of that things. was the word on my lips too spontaneity okay. you had to just go with the flow yeah. and and I've always I guess I go back and forth on that depending on the on the event but I feel like sometimes that loses the spontaneity the creativity and I mean I'm always against uh, not against that but find it a little redundant after a while I don't really know what the um, plan was you're gonna edit this right Maybe. <laughs> Just sometimes I can't think of the way I want to say something, and then there's a pause, and then I think of it. Oh, well, pauses I can cut out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like some people go on, like, they, they go into these rabbit holes about, like, talking crap about somebody, and then I have to go in and cut that piece out, and that's a little annoying. Well, yeah. So. So I, I don't know what the purpose was of any particular style of DJing. But it might have been just what was on hand because it was cassette tapes or even LPs. I don't know what people were playing. Like it, the tango music available wasn't even on CD yet. Yeah. And then when it was on CD, sometimes we would just put on a CD and just play, play the whole CD. thing. Yeah. It'd be 20 songs <laughs> of Lomuto or and, whatever. Um, where do you think the structure came from? This like two, one, two, one, two tangos, one waltz, two tangos, one waltz. I don't know. I guess that was played in the Milongas of Buenos Aires, and then there would be a long, as I said, tropical set or some other kind of music set. Uh, but just two or three times in the evening, would you have that kind of break? I'm trying to remember if it was played like that, the 2 2 1 2 2 1. Because um, what I heard in the. Yes, again, I think I'm, it was. Yeah, because actually I have some ancient tapes made by a DJ called Abel who DJed in Regine and before that he DJed somewhere else. And he made his cassette tapes with that format. But not perfectly. Sometimes there would be a different number of tangos by a certain orchestra or only two milongas or something like that. Yeah, but it did have that structure of tango, tango, milonga, tango, tango, waltz. On cassette, pre-recorded, so you could stick in the cassette and have your whole. I remember like Zabajero at the uh, Chelsea Market with a pencil in the cassette, trying to rewind it manually. I remember doing that, that yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that really. And then you would. You'd have to cue it up to the beginning of the actual music visually by seeing where on the cassette tape tape that little white rectangle was. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. When I started, everything was already in computers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I DJed once from the CDs, but mm-hmm. it was because my computer was broken. I was slow to switch, but yeah. But you still teach from CDs? It depends where. Oh, okay. Now I teach all over the city, and every place has different equipment. Mm. How long was that? To, how frustrating was that to... It is still frustrating. <laughs> like just this morning, I brought my computer to teach a new couple at a new location and they only had a Bluetooth speaker that didn't connect with my computer. Oh, yeah, computer. so now there's even more options of... So then we just played something on Spotify. Mm. Another new thing. Yeah, I'm yeah, not a master Yeah, it's getting much more complicated. Mm-hmm. We would think that this technology would help us simplify things, but now... It was nice at Dance Manhattan to have a locker where I could keep my CDs or whatever I was using. Drag a locker around with you. <laughs> I have to, uh, well, my arms are getting stronger. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Or my shoulders. Hmm. 
So do you remember when you started teaching? How it, Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you scared? Oh, to start teaching? I was very nervous and I didn't want to teach. No? No, Daniel Trenner made me teach. Mm. He told me I should teach. Well, first, I was happy to be his assistant because that could be a silent role and just go around helping people after he had taught the lesson and he would use me to demonstrate stuff. But it was a long time before I said anything to the whole class at once. So I could go around and help people individually. And I remember I was teaching a, the turn with sacadas, mm -hmm. like then we called the eight-count turn. Before I could dance it, I was teaching it because I could tell people faster than they knew which foot went where next. But I wouldn't have been able to dance it actually on the beat with a partner. I mean, lead it. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of a, like a funny timing in my beginning of teaching. Do you feel like there was a transition from people who reluctantly got into teaching because the community needed it to like people like me who came out in like the early 2000s <laughs> who were like, I'm going to teach tango professionally, motherfuckers. Did you say, was there a transition? I mean, did you feel like if you look, maybe even now, maybe you never even thought about it, but maybe looking back, because I've spoken to some people who started in the 90s and the late 90s, especially James Holm, Americans. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I didn't really want to teach, but people, I was dancing, people in the community kept asking me to do, Nick Jones mentioned this too. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I started, I really like wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everybody I've met since I started was always like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And But then I hear stories about, about generations prior to mine were like, well, I didn't really want to, but people asked me to, so I started doing it. That's interesting. That does seem like uh, something that would happen at the beginning of each community in each city. Mm -hmm. Someone would be asked to teach, even if they didn't want to. Yes. My daughter just finished reading Harry Potter 5, in which they ask Harry to teach them Defense Against the Dark Arts, because they don't have a good teacher. And he's the first one to do and it. And he was really reluctant. But he was the first one to do it. Like, no, successfully, he, right? No, he was just good at eluding Voldemort. Oh. He wasn't, he's not at the point where he won. You probably should cut this part out anyway. Well, I've For read those who one haven't Harry read Potter five. Now. No, I read, um, I forget which one. And I thought I was going to, like, I thought it was going to be stupid. But oh, it was no, it's great. Really amazing. Yeah, it's and great. And I want to do that. But right now I'm, I've decided to read Stephen King from beginning to end. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's going to be a long project, but I really wow. like Stephen King's writing. So Too intense for me. Yeah? Yes. Some of them are pretty light. I just think he's really good at, like, helping your, or my brain be in the story. It's like, almost like I'm just sitting there watching it happen in front of me. Whereas some novels I read, like, I tried to read David Mamet's latest novel, and I just, I, I just couldn't even, hmm. I was, like, outside of it. I just couldn't get in. And then other writers, I just feel like I want, like, John Irving, Paul Oster, certain ones that I just feel like I'm, like, in the front row with popcorn, like, watching it and like my legs are kicking off the seat like like a little kid <laughs> and other people I feel like I'm in a lecture and I can't process all the information yeah so for Stephen King it's always like I never found it scary I think the movies glorify the scary part oh but I feel like his books like Harry Potter like the movies probably aren't the same no but the writing in the books is really like you can yeah it's rich it's captivating yeah, it's, rich. it's, it's rich. entertaining like you can chew on it like yeah well, since I had a child, I've been mostly reading children's literature, not because they're her books and they happen to be in the house, but because my mind is too scattered to focus on anything more challenging. Mm. So just a confession. 
Maybe my mind is... But bringing it back to tango, actually, my mind is scattered all the time anyway, and it's a challenge to focus on what's going on in a dance and not get distracted from that. Now I'm confused. What do you mean? I mean uh, to... If I'm following... Mm-hmm. To stay attentive oh, to yeah. just what's happening and yeah. not guess what's about to happen, mm. or think about what just did happen, or think about who else is in the room, or label the steps in some way, or uh, I don't know, yeah. all kinds of places the mind might go. Yeah, that's um, to be in the body and do something physical and not get distracted by the monkey mind. Yeah, it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah, I'm learning how to follow more and more. Like, and any guy, any leader can say, like, you know, oh, yeah, I follow. But to actually be in that mindset or non-mindset, yeah. however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's challenging to mm-hmm. shut it off. Do you ever meditate? No, no, I'm not patient enough for that. See, me neither. But I try to do it when I go to sleep because uh-huh. I feel like I got nothing else to do anyway. So I lay there and I practice the breathing thing. Uh-huh. And uh, it usually puts me to sleep, which is why I do it. But um, also because the, the whole idea of turning the mind off and letting, you know, it's um, very interesting. Yeah. And then reminding yourself to turn your mind off. So you're aware, you're like presently aware that you're trying not to think of something. It's really interesting. And then you go back to following. And I think the more, if you're following, do you think if you try harder to, to follow, you'll, do, you'll be more scattered? Because you're thinking about doing that? Well, there's, there's just been uh, one thing that worked strikingly well, which was suggested to me by Josh, mm. uh, which is to match the um, degree of muscle tone in the leader's uh, legs. And that is so hard. Mm. that, And I'm not sure if I'm getting it or not. I'm pretty sure she's getting it just fine. Uh, so what we have going on right now, ladies and gentlemen, is a uh, technical glitch. So when I was interviewing Rebecca, you know, I'm still new to all this technological uh, stuff. In fact, the last interview I had, I, I, I'll i admit it, I did, the, I did it incorrectly and I'm going to have to re- redo it. Uh, but luckily my buddy, he's willing to sit down with me again. Uh, and what happened with Rebecca during this uh, recording was... At some point, the uh, Audacity app shut off. Luckily, I think I caught it within about a minute or two. So we just sort of picked up where we... uh, We tried to pick up where we left off, but we didn't really know where it ended. And I didn't want to sit and re-listen and make her waste waste her time. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to come in and hop in and let you know why it's... We're just going to jump into the um, the next topic, I guess. And uh, also, do you have loud neighbors? I have a new neighbor, and he is a stomper. And um, anyway, just one of those things we have to deal with in New York City. Okay, back to the interview with Rebecca Shulman. That's okay. This is... um, I can go on about the past, Danelle and Maria and all that. I've heard a little Um, bit about them. Are you Um, recording? Let's talk a little... Yeah, we're we're back on so I was more well let's finish up the muscle tonnage I don't even know where it got cut or why it stopped but um, James you're correct that yes James when before we danced together when he saw me dancing his first impression looking at me dance was oh she's easily bored 
She looks bored. And it's true that I wasn't attentive the way some lovely followers are today who make that actually a credo. I probably found it easy to dance with most people at any given festival where he might have seen me. Mm -hmm. And when it's easy, I'm just very light about my attention. I'm still having a good time, usually. Uh, but so dancing with much more challenging leaders like James himself or like Josh Wrigley now, uh, and quite a number of others, keep me so attentive because it's so difficult to match them properly. That's a joy because it's so engaging. Mm -hmm. So I like it when it's difficult. Uh, I had a comment once when I saw you dancing that you look like you're peeking over a fence to see what's on the other side. <laughs> Someone else said I that, said or that. you said that? No, I said that. And do you mean physically? That's no, no, how I meant I like the way your eye, you were dancing close with somebody, and uh -huh. you know how like, and he must have been actually you're taller than you because you're not so short. Mm -hmm. And I just remember your eyes like peeking over his shoulder, and yes. it just looked like you were peeking over like a wooden fence, like what's on the other side over That's there? That's pretty cute. But I took it to more like think that you're in that moment of what we briefly discussed before of like experiencing like if you're it, my impression is if if one's face is constantly like lit up and then change if your facial expressions are constantly changing mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing but mm -hmm. maybe your um your mind and body presence is somewhere else other than just focusing in and on like where you are at the moment and then if that's happening you're not really aware of what your face is doing, so it could just be like staring off because you're feeling what your body's experiencing. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know? Yes, I don't know. I don't either. I was curious about that because some women I watch dance, they do look bored. Not maybe you, but mm -hmm. and I always feel like I don't know if I want to dance with them because I don't want other people to think I'm boring leader. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if those same women would look bored with you. I've actually tried that. Mm -hmm. Like I've asked people, I'm like, I'm gonna dance with this girl. Tell me what her face looks like. <laughs> really? About looking bored? Yeah. That tell issue? me if she looks bored while we're dancing, and then afterwards I go and I reconnaissance with the dude or the person, and they're like, actually, she was no smiling way. a lot or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. But That's then I'm not sure if I'm being my honest self in that moment when I dance, or maybe I'm trying to make sure she doesn't look bored. Uh huh. There's all sorts of shit going on, you know. Yeah, and then you're not just doing your own impulse, your own expression. Mm-hmm. Very layered. Very layered, yes. But we can go back to history for a while. Like Daniel sure. and Maria, who I've only heard about from Lucille and different people. I've never met. I've never experienced them, but mm -hmm. they seem to have a big impact. A in, big in, chapter uh, in New yeah. York history, yes. Danelle and Maria. Danelle and Just Maria. Just to say it right, yeah. I'm sorry. D-A-N-E-L, Danelle. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's Argentine. She was from Italy, and they they were a married couple, and they taught here. When I started, I think they were already teaching. And they were the only ones who were teaching social tango moves rather mm. than stage tango moves. So all the moves they taught could be done on a social dance floor. But I don't think that they taught variations that allowed you to practice the skill of improvising. Mm -hmm. So they were still long patterns that people would execute verbatim. And then Daniel brought that other, Daniel Trenner, my first teacher and first dance partner, brought that other skill of 
leading and following and making stuff up as you go along, improvising. So he broke it down into smaller building blocks and explained people how to communicate. Yeah. You want me to go more into that? Because no, that's fine. You're staying yeah. quiet. I, 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 yeah. No, I always I find that really interesting because I came. I started right after I don't know exactly when, but after everything was broken down. So we learned from more like you can do anything you want, mm-hmm. whenever you want. Mm-hmm. And some now I'm learning, uh, occasionally learning other social dances, and I kind of like that they teach everything in like group patterns, mm-hmm. and then they show you where to link it. It's less. Um, intellectual yeah in a way and and i try to I, I think it's easier for a beginner to learn in those kind of groupings maybe so every beginner's different yeah today i taught a new couple i'd never worked with before and i didn't know whether to start with very free or give a formula that they would repeat and i did a little of each so next time i know a little better what the proper mix is for that couple do they want or do they benefit from more freedom to improvise and put things together their own way or more little formulas to repeat? Do you like teaching private? Do I like teaching private? I mean, yeah, I love you it. I like it, but yeah. Or I, I find it the most exhausting thing to do. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like most of my students as people. Yeah. No, I, I almo- agree. I like all them, them, but um, you, you said like you have to figure out how to, k- how to engage their learning behaviors. Right. And that's exhausting. Because you're really studying them as much as they're studying what you're trying to teach. Yeah. And you're leading the lesson. Mm-hmm. And you can't just walk in and be like, this is what we're going to do. Right. If, I mean, you can. That's true. <laughs> and when it's a couple, you have to try to make sure that they're both learning. They're both a little bit challenged. They're neither of them overwhelmed. They're mm-hmm. still getting along together. And they're going to get along with each other after you leave when they try to practice it. That's the real challenge. I had to give them the stress speech. Like, tango is there to stress you out, and you have to fight it together as a couple. <laughs> Please use all your humor and your patience. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even taught them the cross yet. Mm. My favorite move mm-hmm. ever is the cross. What's is your, do you have a favorite move? If favorite you want to call it a move or a favorite sensation that you experience when you dance? Mm, wow. I've never thought about that. Like, a favorite... So can I give you like my reference so maybe it makes it easier? Yeah. My what my question like ever since I started I like the first thing I ever learned was the salida the acom basic mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I led the cross the five mm-hmm. and it happened to coincide with like an accent mm-hmm. and I think I was dancing to like some generic music I got from the library back in like two thousand three you know it was I didn't even know anything but one day it happened to like hit at that moment and right. ever since I was like. I love the sensation of when the cross, and it was the parallel system cross at the time because I didn't know cross system crossing. Sure. But I just love that cohe that moment when like the cross hits, the hit, the beat hits, and everything locks in at that that sensation. Yeah, I can relate to that. I really like the back cross that is so popular this century, mm-hmm. though it wasn't used much before that. It wasn't. Nope. Interesting. Yeah, it was used sometimes in parallel system, which gives a different kind of weaker effect. Because mm-hmm. we're going... Was it used from rock step to the back cross, or was it used from, like, a swing? Uh, both. Okay. Mostly a rock step, and used in uh, rhythmic music, mm-hmm. tango or milonga. 
but in parallel system. So the leader would also be crossing in front while mm, the followers yeah. crossing behind. Okay. So in a very cute, clever, quaintish kind of character way. Cool. And that's your. But now it's done in cross system, so mm -hmm. it's a lot stronger because yeah. the leader can take a big backward step in a diagonal, an open step, while the follower dances a back cross that's deeper. Mm -hmm. It can be a deeper cross and still not catch up to the leader who can take a bigger movement. And so you end up with a compression between the bodies who are almost falling toward each other. Right. And then you end up with maybe space for the follower to play as she unwraps her front foot from that cross and uncrosses. But the actual arrival of locking behind with a straight leg, behind maybe a foot that's whose heel is lifted, so there's just the right space for your l knees or your thighs to lock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's satisfying. Yeah, that is. With a nice thump in the music. Wow. Mm -hmm. But I love, I don't know that I have any movements I'm not into. I love boleos. I love ochos. I love sudden stops in odd places. Mm -hmm. I love dead space. I love the thawing of a frozen position. Oh, I was just going to say, I love the titles of your classes, and that was one. Oh, the thawing. Was I was thawing? actually thinking about that right <laughs> when you said that, because I wanted to talk about that next. Okay. Um, because words uh, communicate so much, um, not just meaning, but like, uh, fuck, now I'm going to have an awkward pause. What is that? Words communicate qualities, qualities and sensations, mm -hmm. and, and some, like when you when you title some of your classes, it's like you. I, I really want to take that class, and, <laughs> and some people are so good at titling them that when you actually take the class, you're like, "All we're doing <laughs> is the fucking cross here." <laughs> exactly. Yes, I could but be one of those people. <laughs> I, I mean, I've I've plagiarized or tried to change like f so many class titles that I've seen over the years. Oh yeah. That I just think sound much more intriguing. So I you have one in this thaw and melt. Melting and thawing? Melting and thawing? No, probably freezing and melting and thawing. Okay. Uh, now I'm not really clear on what the distinction is between melting and thawing. But well, I was thinking okay. of when you have a freeze in an unusual place, and then there's a slow thawing before you launch into a movement. The word launch has been helpful also. You know, before you're actually taking the next step, before your foot is hitting the ground, there's the unfreezing, and which part of your body unfreezes first is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then mm -hmm. signaling each other, now we're going to get ready to move again, and now this is the direction, and now we land. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. But speaking of class titles, it just made me think of when I was assisting James in a class, and I heard him say something was cool. In fact, it was pausing. He said pausing is always cool. Like, you might not want to make a sharp freeze when there's no break in the song, but pausing, he said, was always cool, and I thought, cool that's an interesting word cool mm -hmm. so then i went home to new york and taught for months actually a course is called coolness because that's something we all want dancing tango the and i just wanted to put yeah, it out there cool. yeah, yeah yeah i was talking to somebody from germany about the word cool because they said we don't have a word mm. like cool because cool can mean anything mm -hmm. it's like a noun a verb an adjective it's it's whatever you want it to be in tango, it can mean many things. Mm -hmm. Like just now, again, this beginner couple asked me, is it better for the leader or is it right for the leader to start with their left foot? And I said, it's more common for the leader to start with their left foot and therefore it's cool to start with your right foot. But cool is like an attitude, like James Dean cool. Mm -hmm. Not cool as a sensation like thawing and cooling. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. No, no, I didn't mean to make that uh, 
connection between thawing and yeah, temperature yeah. and cool. No, it was just about coming up with class titles that resonate mm -hmm. and that seem to actually elucidate something about the tango mm -hmm. in a word or two that maybe uh, wasn't clear before and then you have a good title. It's true that it's related to uh, freezing <laughs> in its origin as well as how I later developed that nice class title. So well, kind of the a spiral uh, conversation. <laughs> the words, no, but the words, you know, like as teachers, we always try to break things down differently depending on how the students <coughs> retaining the information or not. And sometimes, or it's like, let's say you study with one teacher for multiple years and mm -hmm. then you study with another teacher who says the exact same thing differently and you're like, oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now did you learn that because you already tried it for a few years and then you just happened to work with this person or did you learn it because they chose language that resonates more with you? Exactly, it's you hard know? to say, yeah. And so choosing these kind of words as titles can already, some people who are like, oh, thawing is like the act of, you know, some frozen thing, I don't know. Gradually. But, you know, gradually yeah. warming. Yeah, Instead and of not you to saying hasten like, well, out you're going to move fast and then slow. That mm -hmm. has a that to me, they've been the same because you know we're we both teach and I probably use both metaphors. But mm -hmm. to other people, like another one is rock step. Do you still say rock step? I do. Yes. I've been trying not to because I feel like it implies like a horsey or mm -hmm. a boat, like mm -hmm. rocking. And then there's too much movement in and the body. And then there's a lot of excess movement. Yeah, but I still use it because I'm lazy to think of another way to put it. Interesting. I have certain rock steps I teach that I've given other names. Mm -hmm. One is called the thorn because of the curve at which it leaves the stem of your straight walk. The thorn? Yeah. And an another one I call origami mm -hmm. because you have to fold and fold and then unfold. Hmm. See, those <laughs> are cool. And it's four steps, so it's four syllables, so I can say origami. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, it's fun. Um, that is a class that would sell. <laughs> like origami rock steps. People are going to be like, what? Yeah. Did she just sound really complicated. New rock steps? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> no, it's same old ones. Yeah, I know. But mm -hmm. when you, you know, that's, it's like we could do the same steps or figures or whatever you want to call them and just think about them from a different inspirational starting point yes and be fueled for months that's true in a way you know and that's so cool we might even enjoy it more ourselves we who are teaching and naming things mm -hmm. um do you ever feel i'm sure you do because i think we all do like just bored with tango and uninspired and if so what inspires you to, to do you have any uh tools that help you get back in the game oh like i see no actually I'm sorry. Okay. I don't get bored with tango. Oh, okay. I get bored, as I mentioned before. We talked earlier about how I looked bored. Mm -hmm. Maybe in a particular dance, I'm distracted because that dance isn't riveting. But it's still not an unpleasant activity. No, that's true. And then now that my schedule doesn't allow me to go dancing very often, it's special to go out dancing and be at a milonga. And uh, at my own event that I host, my practica, I'm completely consumed with hosting, making sure people are dancing, that they're having a good time, that they meet each other, that someone who has a question gets it answered. 
people want my advice and I want to get to everyone. When I look at them, I think, oh, this person needs me for 10 minutes. That's my practica. Then classes, <laughs> I entertain myself. <laughs> the Between the choosing the subjects, choosing subjects I love, mm -hmm. uh, keeping everybody in the class busy, challenged, seeing how I can describe things better when I see I didn't describe it well enough. No, I love it. And then dancing, dancing-wise, um, I get new ideas every year, every season, of something I need to work on or that can make things work better or make other dynamics open up. I get bored. <laughs> That's why I was asking. Yeah. Mainly, mainly with dancing. So like, um, I'm always changing what I'm focusing on to help me stay interested. I have had the great luck of being, uh, how to put this? You know, I've just had one great partner after the next. Mm -hmm. Really, I've, I've been, been stuck with Chico for all these years, so yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> being, being female and following more than I lead these great ideas come from these leaders that I've danced with. Mm. I'm just happy to receive them by being danced through them. And then uh, sometimes if I work with a dance partner who teaches and teaches well, then seeing how they explain things. You know, working with Evan for so many years was just a great good luck, a joy, and taught me many, many brilliant things that he thought up that mm -hmm. I was just there in the room listening to that yeah. now I can teach. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's always uh, inspiring and fascinating, sometimes frustrating in ways to work with different people. I've only, I've my main experience is working with one person for so many years, which I think is also a really great um, experience to have because, I mean, you grow so much deeper with somebody. It's amazing. It's like a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a relationship, but like, you know, like a, a, a relationship with mm -hmm. a lover kind of thing. Um, and so when I when I do on occasion work with somebody else, it's hard. I, I, I don't know if it'd be harder for me to adjust if I always did that, but I find it's, it's, it's inspiring and it's interesting. And then at the same time, it's hard because I'm trying to figure out what their goals are for the dance, for themselves, for what we're doing, how to communicate with that person physically, like the muscle tonage and also the heights, the centers of gravity, um, change how we communicate our bodies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, that's f it's really fun and it's, it's also a challenge because I'm not so used to it. You know? And maybe you feel you don't get to that deeper point of understanding each other fast enough. Yeah, I mean, the journey is going to be there for a while before you get to that point. Yeah. Also, you're both already on your own journeys anyway. So, I yeah. mean, even with Chico and I, like, we're, we're, we've grown really close and we can just, like, jump in and, and take off when we dance. But then some days we're, like, we've been focusing on this, she's been focusing on that. And right. Then, um, so then, again, like, the journey is even deeper there. It's harder there, too, but... Oh, yes, that reminds me of when I was dancing with two of these brilliant young men that America has produced. And one of them would say, 
oh, you've been dancing with him again. Now he's ruined you again. <laughs> <laughs> now it'll take me hours to get you like recalibrated. <laughs> he didn't say recalibrated, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, for each of these guys, you have to adjust the dials. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of dials. Yeah, it's true. Mm hmm. Um, so they're all yes. Yeah? No, no, just they're also different from each other. So you're. Um, how was it for you when Dance Manhattan closed? It must have been. Well, I mentioned my locker. Yeah. <laughs> like it, change is always good and bad. Yeah. Well, it was sad, mm -hmm. and that's because of the space, because of the people. Yeah. because of the sense of being part of a big team mm -hmm. so that there was a big tango program with lots of different wheels and gears turning together that I could easily find a sub for my classes if I was going away that I could send a beginner on to a pre-intermediate class knowing it would be well taught and then they would come back to me for an intermediate class and they would know X, Y, and Z having the fun of creating a, a syllabus or cu curriculum for nine different classes all at the beginner pre-intermediate level before you let the students take whatever intermediate course interested them that was really fun mm -hmm. mm, i liked the friendly atmosphere there and a lot of people said that it felt like like home yeah. to them but at the same time it was the opportunity for me to kind of grow up and in a way of taking on my own uh responsibility of administering my own classes and bringing people in and describing what I was going to do and sending out the publicity and keeping track of a, a mailing list and that made me focus more on who was there and what their level of interest was and you know learning their names faster mm -hmm. <laughs> which is good yeah uh, I love the stability of having like you know place that you just like I can just come to and have certain things taken care of and you know mm -hmm. yeah it's nice but mm -hmm. at the same time it's always it's always fun to learn new things and change your approach to things and maybe you know you've had some different experiences you wouldn't necessarily have had oh um, yeah so that's like, always a great thing too I like deciding what is the best time for me to teach on how and how many classes for how long what's the price yeah how are we going to flow from one topic to another? What serves the people who are coming to me? And yeah, just keeping track of who people are. It was a sense of community that carried from Dance Manhattan out into the world. People from that community who were more, I don't know, community-oriented who would invite their friends to come take the class with me or would keep things building even as other things fell away that were... Uh, noticeable and valuable people mm -hmm. and then um, yeah I like I conversation is lagging but because I feel like I'm gonna repeat myself it's okay like I like having the responsibility for all those things yeah. and I've found I'm good at writing about classes which I, I never kind of bothered to do when Dance Manhattan was gonna do it you for didn't me do the class titles or anything of that yeah nature? I did class titles I was always kind of like lazy late with my class descriptions mm -hmm. and like oh you were supposed to have it yesterday sorry here I'll write something oh on yeah, the back of an envelope we're really bad at that mm -hmm. yeah. 
because they want to have everything like three months in advance. Yeah. And I'm not even sure what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. Like, in terms of, you know, who's going to come and all these kind of things, it's hard to prepare mm-hmm. when you're trying to teach to the individual. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, well, next month we're going to teach this. And yeah, then who shows up and you're like, um, wrong topic. I don't know if that's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, now it's not really planned way in advance, but it's uh, planned every week regularly and posted on Facebook and to my mailing list and with a graphic and with a description and with some sort of flow from the weeks before, but also allowing people to drop in because New Yorkers seem to need to do that. Yeah, they don't really plan ahead. Well, it's just hard for anyone to, for a group to commit to eight weeks of something. Mm. They travel and Mm -hmm. things come up, they're busy. So that, and also I was going to mention it is really fun to organize for other guest teachers. Mm-hmm. Some of the same people who were on the roster at Dance Manhattan, like Eric Jorison, like Pablo and Noel, mm-hmm. like, uh, well, Brigitte, of course. Uh, and then people who have come back after a long time, like Jose Garofalo, who will be here in the spring again. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we enjoy that, too. It's an honor, too. So... You started in 91. Mm-hmm. There was a milonga every three weeks. Yeah. And <coughs> then around, I think around 95 is when it started to get more. More uh, people started running stuff. Yeah, well, it was a gradual thing. And um, for example, dance sport had a practica, as they may still have, on Wednesdays. That was a practica for tango, mambo, and swing, hmm. or salsa and swing all three dances, so it was like every third song would be a tango, or sometimes they would provide a back room for the tango dancers, and they could play several tangos in a row. That was in 91 already. Then um, when Daniel moved from teaching at dance sport to teaching at Sandra Cameron's, he wanted to start a practica there, and I guess he and I kind of started it together. I was already more of an official person then an official assistant or something and we had a half hour practica every Thursdays just half an hour after class Mm -hmm. and then that kept going for many years and became a longer practica and maybe maybe 20 years it went on I think with after we left right we left Sandra's we went to Dance Manhattan finally settled there in 94 and by then Richard Lipkin's schedule which was written on a piece of paper mm-hmm. I think in 94 he had to go from a letter size piece of paper to a legal size <laughs> paper to contain the full <laughs> listing of the month's tango events wow. it was done in a calendar format mm-hmm. yeah and I heard like people were passing that around at the milongas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sneaking it into people's bags and making sure <laughs> everybody got it I guess because it was so hard to back then to promote I mean we didn't have the internet yet right. and all these kind of things yeah had to have all the addresses mm-hmm. and phone numbers yeah such a different time mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what came next probably Danelle and Maria's Saturday milonga which they held in different locations depending which Saturday it was so one Saturday a month they were at the 92nd Street Y and that went on for many, many years. And other Saturdays, they rented space at different dance studios around town. And that was that was the Saturday event. Hmm. And now we've had, for the longest time, Nocturne, the all-night milonga, La Nacional, 
and our place on Mala Wednesday. Mala Leche. That's it's not quite old yet, but Tango Cafe is getting up there with will be fourteen this fourteen. Mm-hmm. I think fourteen this year. Yep. So things are, but yeah, the only thing left from the nineties is La Nacional, I believe. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it like that division. Well, what about Central Park? That's true. Yeah, that was back. Lucille started that. She said in like '97. Yeah, and so it's still going. That's another one. Yeah. Got bigger, more mm-hmm. official. I find that people in New York um, they tend to gravitate towards new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, if if a new milonga opens, it's going to be crowded for a while. Yeah. And then it's hard. It's not hard. Well, it's hard to keep something going for a long time. I mean, you're talking like a decade at least mm-hmm. to keep it going. And then when things are about to close, they really come out for it. Mm-hmm. Like, like when Roco closed, there was yes. like 300 people there for the last four weeks, and everybody's like, "Why is this closing?" Yes, and sure. It's like because nobody came didn't for come the last five months. Yeah. Um, or and because also like, if something's slow, mm-hmm. they assume the worst. Like, oh, it's so slow tonight. Are you guys going to close down? <laughs> because <laughs> it's New York, and like, if in New York something's slow. That means it's, it's not going to last, last anymore, that's and that's funny. our first reaction. Right, maybe so. Mm-hmm. I got really a great run with my Monday Night Milonga that started in 94. And you wouldn't have closed if, I don't think you would have closed if what the studio didn't close. Oh, no, we had closed Monday nights before that. You did? Yeah. Is that when you, okay, and you started a practica with Robin? Yes, on Thursdays, uh-huh. Was that because of the closing or just... Well, I wanted to do something okay. where people could dance, not just a class. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I had the idea to run a practica on Thursdays when the studio had space. Mm-hmm. And Robin had a separate idea to start a Thursday practica, maybe because he had one elsewhere before. And then someone put us in touch with each other. And so we decided we could do it together. Mm-hmm. That was great. I loved yeah, doing that. Yeah, it was that. great. I remember going there a few times. But Mondays was so successful because it was the only thing happening on Mondays, and there also wasn't much on the weekend. Oh, yeah. And then Sunday started to become a really much more, besides the seaport, which was only in the mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm, right. Some Sundays became bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger year-round. Yeah. First, I had competition on Mondays. Then Sundays became bigger, and even Saturdays, and lots of practicas throughout the weekend. People danced their fill through the weekend, mm-hmm. which is how it should be. It's natural. Right. And so then by Mondays, they were like tired. I find nowadays the practicas are getting more attended than the milongas, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whatever's... C- Regardless of whether, you know, our business lasts or not, but as long as the tango finds a way to survive, I'm happy. Sure. It would be terrible, like, if that ended. I mean... True. But I feel like um, sometimes they're eating into, which is normal, like you said, like, the weekends can eat into Mondays, and now the practicas, which I think is good, like, they're earlier, so a lot of more people can go from, like, 6 to 10 they no. don't want to wait around till 9.30 or 10 p.m. for a milonga so Which much. practicas are you talking about? I'm not going to say. Okay. I <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just not aware of the whole schedule. No, well, there's a, the Chan Chan practica on Friday, which is great. And then in uh-huh. the summer, they do the Hudson River. It's the same two guys. Yes, Dirk but it's June. like a milonga. Um, Kind of. I mean, it, they rent a room at Ripley Greer and they put water out. I don't know if that's exactly like a milonga. Oh, I never went to it at Ripley Greer. It's not Greer. a practica in the sense that people are like working on... That's what it's I mean. It's a fine line between milonga practica, I guess you could define as. 
yes. And then Tuesdays, Carlos is doing a new one called Barrialito, which is also at Ripley Greer, and he just rents a room for a few hours. I see. But it, I think because it's earlier, and I think specifically because it's earlier, people are able to just shoot there right after work, and then yeah. they're done by 9 or 10, and they don't have to stay out till 1 or 2. I know as I get a little more seasoned, I'm, I'm much more in, inclined to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Well, in Buenos Aires, when I went in the 90s, there were all the practicas in the early evening, and mm-hmm. then you would go home and get dressed up and go to a milonga and arrive after midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that wears one out. Yeah, I I don't know if we have a large enough community to sustain that every night of the week. No, exactly. And then now, I guess, or like that's my description of the 90s. But then as things got more developed and there was more variety, more early milongas popped up. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of Carlos's as more like an early milonga. Though he can call it whatever, maybe, and I've only been like twice. Mm. Yeah. If he wants to call it a practico, okay. I think it's good. So, and we can wrap it up pretty soon because I'm starting to f- forget how to talk. But, Me too. Um, <coughs> I think it's great that new people start events, and I feel like in the 90s, that was the only way to t- for an event to begin. Uh, in the sense that, like, now... I mean, I don't know how many times you've been asked over the years, like, can you start something? Or mm. people ask Chico and I, like, can you start something? And I'm always like, why don't you guys start it? And then they're like, well, because, you know, you're teachers and you're in the community and blah, blah, blah. But there was a time when people just started stuff because there was nothing happening. Yes. They didn't need the permission, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel um, I, I, it would hurt other established businesses, I guess, in Tango. But at the same time, it would be really exciting because people want to support new things. Um, I don't know if that's a question or not, but <laughs> but you were t- you started in a time when... I want to say two separate things. Sure. One is that it's so cool to go dancing in a new place, yeah. especially an interesting place that has its own atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like back in the mid-90s when we were all dancing at the teddy bear factory. Hmm. Or like hmm. now in the summer when we dance outdoors and What's we What's a teddy bear factory? <laughs> I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> I, this is the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I never saw teddy bears being um, built. Oh. Uh-huh. But it was called the Teddy Bear Factory, and probably other old-timers can tell you more about it. Okay. But all kinds of interesting holes in the wall, whether here in New York or in other cities that I or anyone listening has been dancing in, you know, or in Buenos Aires, like the first paracultural, like mm-hmm. what a hole in the wall, what an amazing atmosphere that you felt the charge from just entering the place and seeing it all broken down as it was and the curtains on the wall and not knowing if there was even really a wall behind the curtains. It's all kind of... The other thing I wanted to mention is that, so yeah, so new people starting milongas great and new places I'm intrigued with seeing my city by going out dancing to new events the other thing I wanted to mention is that since my dance studio Dance Manhattan closed in the last four years I had to really look at what I can specialize in what am I good at I'm good at hosting a practica because I'm a good teacher I'm not great at hosting a milonga that I think depends on a certain social 
and alcohol. I just don't have any relationship with alcohol, and I don't know what to serve, and I can't make it cool. I'm also not that cool, and I just don't know how to make the magical mm, draw of a late night. Plus, I get up early. So for all those reasons, it's better <laughs> well, for me. We all have find our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I and I think we we gravitate towards what we love. So I love running events. Yeah. And if I was terrible at it, I don't think I would love anything I'm terrible at. I know that <laughs> might hard. become sort of like a, a mental illness there. But um, <laughs> and as I mentioned, I find I like teaching privates. It didn't mean to say I don't like it, but I find it the most exhausting aspect of the of the many things you can do in tango mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when you and robin started your practica i remember being there with chico once we've been there many times and thinking like wow these are like two of the best people that ever have hosted a practica coming together thank you because you're both so hands-on yeah and we, i remember observing you one night like you know and as somebody who's at that point been teaching for 10 or 12 years myself like i'm like wow there's rebecca she's been teaching for over 20 years You'd think like she'd be like in her corner with her cigarette and her champagne, just like, <laughs> oh, okay, you know, and there you are like running around the room, <laughs> dancing with everybody. Like, yeah, you got like a firecracker up your ass. So, you, you know, you're just like, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And then there's Robin, who also is, has the same crazy energy. Yeah. Well, and I learned some of that from Robin in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Just watching how he not only will uh, help people who ask him questions, but he'll go up to people and just get on them and say you're doing this wrong mm -hmm. stop dancing and do it right that I'm still not that aggressive at and he'll also put people together who don't know each other who could enjoy dancing right. practicing with each other he'll introduce people that's pretty forward yeah so yeah. I do that sometimes at my own practica I yeah I really enjoy that like watching people work together and and supporting an atmosphere where people can ask each other for help and ask questions ask their partner, their neighbor, for some sort of feedback or how to get through a tough step by myself always teaching or talking or discussing how to dance better at my practica or, you know, or just giving someone a good um, dance where they can feel confident or before maybe they felt a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not all talking. It's just being encouraging. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing sometimes when you just, and I've experienced this myself as a student or as a person, like when somebody just even acknowledges that you're there and like gives you feedback and whatever, mm -hmm. they look like, some people, some people may be upset, but a lot of people look that they're stunned that you even saw them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just like, wow. And then they feel more welcome and because maybe they have some insecurities and, you know, just getting to the event took them hours to mentally prepare right. for you we don't know what goes on in everybody's lives and all right. these things so um yeah but i was mentioned i mean i wanted to mention that before like yeah you guys are i feel so exhausted at those <laughs> <laughs> again it's not something that i see what i enjoy what we want to work on for this coming year is like going back to the you know how like we used to get together with teachers and practice and stuff and yes. like show stuff yes so what chico and i want to do is basically create like that for our students which i guess is like a practica yes but We just want to show some really cool stuff and then let them try to figure it out for a while. I think Mitra had some interesting ideas about that yeah. over in L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's had so many creative ideas about how to make a tango school successful in terms of building community and building dancers who know a lot. So, yeah, she, she's she been studying that. Mm -hmm. I think it's called peer-to-peer -peer sharing. Mm -hmm. 
maybe someone else invented it in some other field, but she's been working with it in tango. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that's what I her that's what inspires me. But um but yeah, you've definitely got the But my practica does exhaust me. Well, of course. It is exhausting to do that for three hours straight. Yeah. But I appreciate every person who comes to it. And I see how they all contribute different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's a lovely afternoon. And what afternoon is that again? That's Saturdays from 2 to 5 over <laughs> at Stepping Out, where I rent Studio D. If this is ever broadcast, it could be a promo <laughs> for that. I'm hoping it'll be soon. Yeah. It's called Rausen Practica. Oh, yeah, Rausen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember now. Well, I guess we could wrap it up with that for now. A pleasure. But I was thinking in, because I don't know yet what the format for this will be in terms of like what I can do with it, because nowadays with podcasts, you can do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it might be a cool idea to follow up every six months or a year with people and just see where they're at or what's oh. going on. Sure. I mean, you don't have to agree to that or anything. No, no. I'm yes. just throwing that by you to see if you think That's it's a good fine. idea. That's fine. I was also just... <laughs> Maybe, but also there's more I could have. Was there anything interesting, though, that I could have talked about? No, I'm because prefer, th- I prefer this one to just be boring. <laughs> <laughs> because I got into, like, a tiny bit of what Daniel offered, a little bit of what Daniel offered, mm-hmm. a little image of James, some... Well, I'm hoping to speak with them. So uh-huh. then oh, the uh, two of them? Well, not together, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, I, w- I mean, this is... I want this to get beyond new york just i mean this could be a lifelong thing you know like who knows but just when i travel be like oh or people coming to town mm-hmm. you want to sit down and just talk about just like this like just chat for a little while just like we might do at an over coffee or mm-hmm. you know which we don't get a lot of time to do no you know so this is kind of like an excuse to do that yeah i'm just thinking that i can give you some mm-hmm. images of other dancers or of what it's like to dance with X or Y person, or what my strengths or weaknesses are in dancing and teaching. I don't know. Just I don't know what would be interesting to people to listen to. I think that's. Um, I don't think any of us know. <laughs> <laughs> I sure as hell don't. That's why I'm. But I would love to do that again. I would love to maybe focus in on that. And as I talk to more people and people bring me suggestions, um, it helps me sort of figure out what direction I want to go with this. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I want to just do an episode, or maybe I'll do like a compilation episode where I say like, this episode is two hours long and it's with six females and they're all going to talk to me about how they experience dancing with different leaders. Boom. Yeah. There's a package. Yeah. And or they're all going to talk to you about Tete. Or yeah. Or something. Yeah. Really precise. But I think for now I'm just sort of feeling out my conversational inability or ability and <laughs> just getting people in the door and see what they think and how they feel and then how this might take off or go forward and yeah I, I don't really yet I'm again like I said I'm still more in the phase where I just want to like sit down with people and chat and yeah. and see where we can go from there yeah so but I would I love that idea to, s- to like you know sit down and talk about like five guys that we can just rip apart <laughs> I can't do that. Because that would make me feel so much better. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, I had another idea just now hmm. flew out of my head. Oh, just talking about um, embraces. Something mm. for some reason. Yeah, what the different close and open embraces mean to different people. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know where I was going to go with that. That's another cool topic. And always, and and again, like when this gets public, I will have like feedback, and I will have uh, people can also send suggestions. And then if I say like next week I'm going to talk to so and so, people could be like, oh, ask them about this. Oh, that's good. You know, again, right now it's just send in getting questions. going and figure it out from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Adam. I hope it came out okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is, the first show. I um. I really liked that interview with Rebecca, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I had interviewed several people prior to her, but I did want to start with this one. Just felt like the right one to kick off this whole series with. Um, she's always been a real pleasure to talk with and, and just easy to talk to. I really enjoy that. Um, she's very down to earth, and um, as much as she's worked and created all of this over the past 30 years, she... I don't think it really goes to her head. She still just does it because she loves it. And um, and who wouldn't? It's a great way to live your life. This is a cool job. It's um, it's a lot of fun. In fact, it makes me think about some other topics that I'll I'll save for another day. This is a long show tonight. It went over an hour, which I'm um, was surprised about. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. And uh, until then, keep dancing, keep growing, keep learning. All right. Thanks, everyone.